0: This is C-SPAN's The Weekly. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. The report is titled The Trump Administration and the Media, conducted by the Committee to Protect Journalists, and it begins with the following quote: "The Trump administration has stepped up prosecutions of news sources, interfered in the business of media owners, harassed journalists crossing US borders," and empowered foreign leaders to restrict their own media. But Trump's most effective ploy has been to destroy the credibility of the press and dangerously undermine the truth. The author of that report is Leonard Downey Jr. He is the former executive editor of The Washington Post, currently a professor of journalism at the Walter Cronkite School at Arizona State University. Mr. Downey, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. There's a lot there, but let me get to the core issue. What has the president done to the press into the public?
1: Uh, he has uh, repeatedly, going way back to when he was a candidate for president, repeatedly attacked the press and attacked the credibility of the press, particularly when it's reported on him critically, when he's not liked what he's seen in the press, seen on television. He attacks uh, the press as fake news, uh, uh, lots of other names, uh, and attacks individual reporters' credibility. In fact, p- people can see that every day right now during his uh, COVID-19 uh, press briefings, how often he attacks news organizations, the press generally, and individual reporters. And as he told the uh, Uh, An interviewer uh, years ago, right after he became elected president, he does this in order so that uh, the public will not believe uh, reporting about him that he doesn't like, whether or not it's true.
0: And of course, every president dating back to George Washington has had issues with the press. What makes President Trump different
1: yeah, what makes him different is the ferocity of it, the repetitiveness of it, and the fact that there is uh, a uh, supporters, millions of supporters of his across the country, and uh, some right wing media outlets uh, that are uh, so supportive of him uh, that they believe what he has to say. As all these millions of supporters of his believe uh, that uh, the the press is not telling the truth. Uh, And I think this is very dangerous for the role of the press in our democracy, and particularly this during this period when the reporting, when facts about the COVID-19 and the response to it are so very important to literally the health of the republic and the health of individual Americans, uh, to not have those facts believed because the president says they're false is very dangerous.
0: And as you pointed out, the president on a regular basis, almost daily basis, having that that sparring with the press. Here are a couple of examples. The argument is that you bought
1: yourself some time. You didn't use it to prepare hospitals. You didn't use it to ramp up testing. Right you're, now, so, you're, so, you're so disgraceful. It's so disgraceful the way you said it. L- let me Americans. just. Listen, yes. I just went deal? over it. You
0: said repeatedly that you think that some of the equipment that governors are requesting, they don't actually need. You said New York might need not, I, I might not that. need 30000
1: You said it on I Sean Hannity's Fox
0: News. You, said you know, that why, you else? Might why don't you some
1: people s- act... Let, let me ask you. you, said why, some don't state- you act, why don't you act in a little more positive? It's always trying to My get question you, to you, get is- you, get you. And you know what? That's why nobody trusts the media anymore. If you look at what I did in terms of cutting off... Or banning China from coming in. Chinese nationals, but by the way, not Americans who are also nice and from China. Easy. Nice and easy. Just relax. We cut it off. People were amazed. So did you acknowledge that you didn't? Think Keep your voice down, please. Keep your voice down. Did you not? How think many? How to many? How many cases were in the United States? I did a ban.
0: Some of the recent press briefings with the president, Leonard Downey Jr. As you listen to that, what's your reaction?
1: Uh well first of all, it is exactly what I've been writing about in the report uh uh for that he's been doing for years now uh whether it's, uh, it's whether it's in these briefings or uh, or the uh the, the encounters with reporters in the Oval Office or on his way to his airplane or in his tweets. Uh, or in the rallies that he held before the virus made those impossible, the same kinds of denigrating attacks in the press, the attacks on the credibility of what the press reports. And I might know, it's interesting, the two examples you picked, it is disproportionately women who he, who he denigrates, uh, beyond, beyond even attacking their credibility, but really belittling them in a way that, uh, that uh, seems very offensive to me.
0: We should point out the report is available online at cpj.org. And let me put a couple of examples and get your reaction, because this is included in your study. Back on February the 26th, the president saying that the low ratings fake news MSDNC and CNN are doing everything possible to make the coronavirus look as bad as possible. Then on March 8th, he wrote, The fake news media is doing everything possible to make us look bad, calling it sad. And then on March 18th, the president tweeted, I always treated the Chinese virus very seriously.
1: Obviously, he's trying to have people believe what he says, even though that's not true, as opposed to what the media is reporting, which was true.
0: The report also includes some information that is not getting as much attention and that is, reporters coming into this country from Central America, from Mexico, and being harassed. Can you explain?
1: Yes, I was really surprised by this. I didn't know about it until uh, I and the researcher on the report, Stephanie Sugars, began looking into it. But uh, over, the, over so during the time of his administration. Uh, reporters re-entering the country sometimes from abroad sometimes uh, i mean sometimes at airports from abroad or at ports of entry along the border with mexico uh, have been harassed by border agents uh, you know when they present their passports they have to re-enter the country uh, in some cases they've been accused of of, of uh, fake news you know parroting the president uh, and not not reporting favorably about the president uh, asking asking unpleasant questions and most and most uh, problematically uh, often said, uh, going through their cell phones uh, and their laptops to see what 's on them uh, and uh, and it was discovered after this became a pattern uh, um, press freedom organizations discovered that in fact there's a dossier along with the uh, that agents have along the southern border uh, that uh, that has uh, uh, backgrounds. On, uh, on, these, on, the, on the reporters that they've stopped, uh, and then they stop those reporters more frequently. So press freedom organizations have sued uh, to have the government explain what's going on and why it's going on.
0: And why do you think it's going on? What's the motivation?
1: That's a good question because I don't know if it's just a – part of it may well have to do with concerns about whether or not – not concerns, but the opportunity to find out from reporters crossing the border uh, uh, information uh, that uh, the the, the Border Patrol would like to have about what they saw in Mexico, uh, for for example – which, of course, is not the role of reporters to be, to be agents of the United States government. But also, I think some of it is, uh, seems to be just uh, 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 parroting the president, uh, you know, to, um, that they, they, they like what the president's saying about the press, uh, and they're doing their own little job to harass the press.
0: As you know, Journalism 101, the basic questions, who, what, when, where, why, and how. And so when the president says the news media is, quote, fake news, and you're teaching this to your students at Arizona State University. What do you tell them?
1: I tell them that they, and this is the same thing that editors uh, are, are telling reporters today, uh, and that is you just you have to do your job. Uh, you can see this in the in the White House briefing room as reporters strive to not criticize the President to not fight back against the President, but rather to keep asking factual questions determinedly asking factual questions rather than saying, "But Mr. President, you're mistreating me." Jonathan Carl, who's one of those reporters in their ABC news correspondent for the White House, who's one of the reporters sometimes in the briefing room, does take it upon himself. As the president of the of the correspondence, uh, to sometimes uh, uh, call out the president and the fact that he's treating the, the the reporters badly, but by and large, their job is to do their job, and and uh, holding the government accountable has always been one of the most important missions for me in journalism, and that's why I teach investigative reporting uh, now because I was an investigative reporter. I, I, I supported investigative reporter reporting the whole time I was editor of The Post, uh, and, uh, and I'm uh, helping students learn how to be investigative reporters. And I try to impress on them the important role of holding government and, and, other, and other, powerful, other power centers in American society, whether it's uh, uh, corporations or charities or sports teams or what have you, accountable to the American people.
0: And, of course, that dates back to your years at The Washington Post during the Watergate investigation. And I want to share with our listeners uh, one moment between the president, Richard Nixon, and his then White House Press Secretary, Ron Ziegler, your former boss, The Washington Post, included in this
1: conversation. I want it clearly understood that from now on, ever, no reporter from The Washington Post is ever to be in the White House. Is that clear? Absolutely.
0: From December of 1972. And I know you've heard that before, Leonard Downey Jr., but if yep. you listen to it again, your reaction?
1: Uh, well,. Uh he did attack the post regularly, publicly, also in the same way that uh, Trump attacks the president generally now. However, uh, he, he was he, he was mostly focused on the post itself, and some of the worst things he said were in these uh, in these tape recorded conversations that were not public at the time. And it's interesting because a lot of what you hear Trump say now is very much what uh, Nixon was saying in private uh, to his uh, to, to his aides. Uh, about the press, a lot of it much more vituperative than just saying the post would be banned from the White House.
0: But of course, the big difference is there wasn't cable television in 1972. Talk radio today, the president has Rush Limbaugh, Fox News, One America News, and other outlets.
1: Yes, that's right, uh, and uh, um, so he's got he's got an echo chamber uh, in addition to his own aides. I mean, there was another thing about Nixon is that uh, Ron Ziegler is press secretary and. Bob Dole, when he was chairman of the Republican Party, uh, did echo the president's attacks on the Washington Post. But by and large, the rest of the government, which is one of the reasons why we were able to conduct the Watergate investigation, uh, played us straight with the press. That is not what's happening in this administration uh, to a great extent. There are, there are many of the officials are just as, uh, are just as uh, nasty to the press uh, as the president is. Interestingly, though, he's not able to... Um, maintain the kind of, uh, of discipline he would like throughout the administration. So there are uh, uh, p- people who are unhappy with what's going on or disagree about what's going on at various times, sometimes before they got fired, who will talk to the press, not always with attribution. And uh, so some of those stories which are holding the administration accountable, are from uh, sources that must maintain their confidentiality in order to keep their jobs. And of course, the president then has the advantage of saying these sources don't exist. He says that every day almost, uh, that these are, uh, these, these people don't exist, the reporters are making them up. And obviously, it's difficult for the reporters to prove that they're not making them up when, in fact, the people want to be uh, their, their identity not known.
0: Your report also quotes Fox News anchor Chris Wallace, and he said the following in December of last year, quote, I believe that the president is engaged in the most direct, sustained assault on freedom of the press in our history. Those are some strong words,,
1: yes, and I agree with him. at least when, when you say our history, at least it 's the history that you know that he and I have lived through uh, i don 't know what went on uh, you know in, uh, way, way, way back at some point, but yes, I think that 's absolutely true, and it is sustained it 's sustained on purpose, and you can see from opinion polls that millions of Americans who are blindly following the president uh, believe what he 's saying, and this is the danger. The danger is not. It's not like with Nixon, just that Nixon's attacking the press because the uh, the end result for him was not very good. Uh, but rather, uh, uh, the sustained attacks and being supported by the right-wing media and being supported by members of his administration is convincing many Americans that, in fact, the press is not telling the truth, that facts are not facts, uh, and that lies are, in fact, uh, true. Uh, and that, to me, is very dangerous for democracy, never mind whether or not it's... Uh, it's something that makes reporters uncomfortable, or, or might anger somebody in, in a newsroom. But that's not important. What's important is that if many, many, many Americans do not believe the facts that are being presented to them, then they then they're not going to uh, be able to, to play their role. Uh, they in in a democracy, uh, as we can see, for example, with uh, with the many Americans who are who are not believing uh, the uh, the information that's coming to them, the facts that are coming to them about how to behave during the coronavirus.
0: And so in raising those doubts and essentially trying to undercut the media, what's the long term implication long after Donald Trump has left the White House?
1: Well, depending on you know, depending on the behavior of the next President of the United States, uh and whether or not they think that what they've learned from this is that they should not behave this way, or whether what they've learned from this is this is a good way to behave in order to maximize their power in office, uh and, and to and to not be held accountable for what they do. But the the long term implication is that there will be all these many millions millions of Americans who will continue Uh, to not believe uh, what's being reported by the by the news media Uh, and that and that's detrimental to the all the activities of the country.
0: Leonard Downey you came up with a report back in 2013 that looked at the previous administration Barack Obama. What did you learn back then?
1: I learned that um, although the president literally took office saying on the first day we have the most transparent administration in history did not. Instead, they achieved a very tight control over information, over the messaging. Uh, It was difficult for reporters to interview administration officials without the permission of a press officer or the presence of a press officer. Uh, They often argued with reporters, uh, the, the, the reporters' questions and so on. However, all of this took place in private. Uh, and uh, they were not—they were not attacking the press publicly. When I when I did that report, I interviewed the press secretary Jay Carney, who's now the head of uh, media relations for Amazon, and he argued with a lot of my questions, a lot of my a lot of my conclusions. It was a very animated discussion, uh, but uh, but we had a discussion. He was accessible, unlike the. Uh, Unlike the current uh, press office, which did not respond to my uh, several attempts to interview them for this report, he was not only accessible, he he did not publicly denigrate the press. He might argue with individual reporters in trying to get the administration's message across, but it was not a public denigration of the press, and that is a very big difference.
0: What does the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution mean to you?
1: uh it means to me what it says which is congress will not pass you know any law I'm, I'm bridging the freedom of the press among other things uh and that uh, that that creates a, a freedom for the press in the United States to, to hold government accountable—that's why it's in the First Amendment. That's why the founding fathers wanted it. They wanted to be held accountable. And they did not all get along with the press. Uh, and Jefferson and Washington and others had, yeah, a lot of conflict with the press, as you said earlier. But they still did not believe that it was right to try to suppress the press uh, or to uh, or to uh, uh, attack the press publicly. Uh, and, uh, uh, and 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 it, it was what makes us different from most other countries around the world. I was the Washington Post correspondent in Britain in the early 80s, and I was repeatedly told by, um, by uh, journalists there and, and public officials there that the Watergate investigation by the Post would not have been possible uh, in Britain uh, because of the laws that they have there in which the government can intercede uh, at any time to stop the reporting in any story that the government argues is dangerous to the, to the, to the government.
0: Well, I ask you about the First Amendment because I'm curious how foreign leaders view this president and the way he treats the media and whether that has any impact on those countries.
1: Yeah, well, we've seen, in fact, that it does have impact, uh, that a number of authoritarian leaders are taking steps to restrict the president to restrict the press in their countries. And in many cases, they've used the same language as the president, talking about fake news. And in some occasions, which really surprised me when I found out about them, they took these steps shortly after meeting with the president. I don't know exactly what they talked about about the press, but uh, but uh, they, they, they essentially said, if this is something that can happen in the United States, why can't it happen? In their country.
0: The report is titled The Trump Administration and the Media. And something that I had not heard of before, but it's in your report, is that this campaign, the Trump reelection campaign, suing The New York Times, The Washington Post and CNN for
1: opinion pieces. Has that, right. that ever happened before? I don't know if it's happened before, but all court cases would indicate that uh, that these aren't these suits aren't going to go anywhere. They're nuisance suits. I think they are to again to, to speak to the president's followers, to to uh, to denigrate the press, uh, to you know, accuse the press of, of libel, and so that they won't believe what they see in the press. Uh, I don't see much chance of that going forward. The, the president, is, although although it will cost news media obviously money to defend themselves until they're thrown out of court. Um, but the uh uh the the interesting thing about this is that the president himself has said that it's time to change the libel laws uh, again a, a further a further indication of his authoritarian approach to the to the news media uh but in fact he can't change the libel laws congress cannot change the libel laws under the first amendment uh, uh libel is is uh, libel laws are by and large state laws and they are overseen by the by the uh by the courts and uh, and the uh, uh, Supreme Court, in many, many decisions, had made clear uh, <clears throat> that the of uh, the press under the First Amendment is paramount. <clears throat> that was certainly the case in the Pentagon Papers decision, uh, which said that the government could not, un, unless it was extremely dangerous conditions, could the government stop the uh, news media from publishing something in advance, and it's never been tried since the Pentagon Papers decision, And and, uh, also in a decision called New York Times versus Sullivan, which means that a public figure cannot successfully sue for libel, i.e. the president or the president's campaign, uh, unless they're able to show not only that, that what it is is false. Uh, but also that it is uh, it is a, a mal- malicious disregard uh, of, of of the truth, and uh, that's a very that's a very tall order. And obviously, uh, the, I, the campaign knows this. I think those suits are primarily to uh, attract attention to uh, to their contention that the press is not being fair to the president.
0: And of course, we know that journalism is the first draft of history. Often that draft is wrong. So what specifically are the obligations of the news media to make sure that they get it right and don't give the president that political ammunition to call it fake news?
1: Yeah, I I would disagree a little bit with your premise. I don't think it's often uh, uh, that the first draft is wrong. Sometimes it is, uh, but uh, uh, and there's all different kinds of reporting about each subject going on from all different kinds of news media, and some may make mistakes. Uh, um, uh, From my observation, I've not seen very many major mistakes. Uh, but I do see at the, also that the press continues reporting on the subject. Right now, we're, for instance, watching the, the news media uh, uh, grapple with the fat, with the, you know, how did the COVID virus start, uh, how did it make its way in the United States, uh, you know, at what, uh, how, how fast did it grow here, uh, and that reporting is necessarily uh, incremental uh, because there is no, there's no report, there's no, there's no Pentagon papers uh, that, that to to rely on, uh, and so they they piece together the Story and sometimes the pieces are wrong. It's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. You got that piece that looks like it'll fit in this corner or over there in the middle, and in fact, it really fits in the bottom once you finally figure it out. And so, uh, the press should be judged on the on the uh, the overall performance and not whether individual mistakes are made. I, I've often said, I say this in a, a memoir that I've written that comes out in the fall, that the uh, the daily news a newsroom to me a daily newspaper to me, yeah, is the equivalent of putting out a daily newspaper is like a, a, a car company in one day designing a brand new model of a car, making that model of the car, and selling it the next morning. Uh, and that's how complicated it is, and so the mistakes will be made. And so there's always going to be some mistake for the president to to, uh, to seize on, although often what he calls mistakes aren't. He's not telling the truth. The, the story was accurate. But, uh, but those things will happen, and uh, it's, it, that's why it's important for the media to correct its mistakes, I do fault news media organizations when they don't correct their mistakes in a timely and obvious manner. Uh, but as long as they do that and get the record right over the long run, uh, that's their job.
0: And an important point that's also in the report is that scrutiny not only here in Washington by the media, but also at the state and the local level. And that's where we're seeing a lot of these newspapers struggling.
1: Yes, because they no longer have the resources that they had before. Their staffs are much smaller. Some of them are even going out of business. They're not publishing as often. Uh, Same thing with local uh, newscasts. Uh, uh, Many television stations across the country no longer have their own newscasts. They they share them with other people, other stations owned by the same same company or stop them altogether. And this is because of the digital impact uh, on the news media. Uh, News media was really supported by advertising. Uh, both uh, newspapers and broadcast. And uh, that advertising was siphoned off by the Internet. It, as a result, there are far less resources. And then along comes COVID-19, uh, which takes even more advertising uh, out of out of the news media. Uh, and so they're really struggling. And uh, we've had ten thousands of, of uh, newspaper jobs have been lost all across the country in the last couple of decades. And right now it's accelerating more and more. Uh, More and more jobs are being cut. And so you've got some struggling newspapers around the country. And I'm talking about big city newspapers uh, that have a tiny fraction of the reporters and editors that they used to have.
0: You, of course, have a long list of recommendations, the report available at cpj.org. But let me go through just a few of them. And one is resuming the daily briefings. And you're talking about not the one that we're seeing right now with the president, but with the White House press secretary. Should those briefings, though, be off camera? Would they be more productive?
1: I, that, that's a good question about whether they need to be on camera. I, I obviously being a print reporter, don't care if they weren't on camera. If I were a television journalist, I'd be concerned that, uh, you know, when you turn on the nightly news, you would not be able to see, uh, the most important thing that the press secretary said in that briefing live, as opposed to having it reported to you. So I see the reasons for having the cameras. Uh, and if, uh, if we were in a different situation where the president was not uh, purposely attacking the press in the way this president does, uh, and, and there was grandstanding going on in the briefing room. Then I think it would be the responsibility of the White House Correspondents' Association to try to try to tame that. Uh, however, I have to say that what is what is often what press secretaries often say uh, is uh, is acting out uh, in the in the questioning is in fact just tough questioning. And the fact that same question is repeated over and over again on occasions, as you're now seeing in these briefings, is because it wasn't answered in the first place. Uh, and and it is the job of the reporter to add, to to ask the questions and if you're doing it on camera that also means that the 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 journalist is presenting the information in the question so the so that the audience is hearing the facts even if the briefer will not present the facts. The other big difference between the traditional briefings and the current ones, the current one's supposed to only be one subject, but of course the president goes off that subject uh, to do a variety of other things that look suspiciously like campaigning. Um, but the, uh, the the briefings of the press secretaries and experts that they would bring in, and occasionally the president would come in, were intended to cover all the uh, all the things that were going on of importance that reporters needed to ask about for the benefit of their readers and viewers and listeners. Uh, and uh, And that was that was very useful also um, you would have the people uh, alongside the wall where you see some of the uh, some of the health experts now in these current briefings uh, representing a variety of different kinds of parts of the uh, administration parts of the White House who the reporters could then go up and buttonhole afterwards and ask them questions uh, further questions off camera, which of course is not happening now because everybody has to exit the room with the president.
0: Another set of recommendations, uh, ending the practice of bringing espionage charges against those news sources who leak classified information and don't threaten the broadcasting license of television and radio stations. Can you touch All on right.
1: that? Yes. First, The first one, uh, the prosecutions of uh, news sources, the prosecutions of administration officials and contractors who provide information, uh, uh, conf- uh, 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 confidential information to uh, to to reporters, classified information to journalists, uh, was actually started during the Obama administration. That was one of the things that I revealed and criticized in my 2013 report on the Obama administration. The press was that they were using a, 20, a 1917 uh, espionage act that was designed to uh prosecute uh, spies for foreign governments during world war 1 they were using that to prosecute uh, sources of confidential confidential information to the news media uh and that was a, that was a terrible thing that the uh, obama administration was doing and it's been picked up uh by uh, by the uh by the trump administration and they now i think have prosecuted almost as many uh, sources of information uh, somewhere around nine or ten as the obama administration had and uh, and that is the uh, that, that is very chilling uh, to, to potential whistleblowers who, who want, want to reveal to the media things that are going on inside the government that appear to be very dangerous to the American people, if not illegal. Uh, and, uh, and also it raises the possibility of whether or not the press, the reporters themselves, might be prosecuted under this act. There's been no court cases to say one way or the other. And one final point, because
0: four of the last five presidents have been re-elected, dating back to Ronald Reagan through Barack Obama. So if Donald Trump is re-elected, what would a second term look like in terms of the press and the presidency?
1: Well, on the one hand, he would not have to be worrying as he is now about being reelected, and therefore would not necessarily have the motivation to attack press coverage that's unfavorable to him or that he sees as unfavorable to him uh, for fear of not being reelected. However, I believe his entire life history has shown uh, that his image is extremely important to him, whether it's for re-election or not, uh, and uh, and he's and he's very thin-skinned about anything that is unfavorable about him. So I I would guess that he may feel he has even a freer hand. Uh, to attack the press and maybe even seek unconstitutional means of uh, muzzling the press or or doing other things to the press to for his benefit, uh, uh, knowing that uh, he no longer would have to be uh, run run for reelection and be judged for that
0: and in researching this report, your biggest surprise was
1: what oh my golly, um, I guess it was uh, well, first of all, the threats against media organizations uh the the nature of the attacks. Uh, on um, individual members of the press by uh, uh, by supporters of the President through Twitter and otherwise, uh, the, the security that newsrooms have had to have had to erect, the fact that many reporters covering the administration now have to have uh, uh, special means of contacting them on the telephone uh, to protect uh, the uh, confidentiality of the callers, uh, things that I never would have imagined uh, in the American democracy.
0: The report is titled The Trump Administration and the Media. Its author is Leonard Downey Jr., the former executive editor of The Washington Post. He currently teaches journalism at the Walter Cronkite School at Arizona State University. We thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And a reminder, this podcast and others available on our website at cspend.org podcast And be sure to rate and review us. We look forward to reading your comments. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. Thanks for listening.